What up, my homies? I'm Lisa Billiou, and you're listening to Women of Impact. And I'm so excited for today's guest, my guy. I really enjoy interviewing him. I've had him on the show once before, but his name is Devon Franklin. Now picture this. You've just come out of a long-term relationship and you've got to, oh dear Lord, start dating again? Where do you even start? And once you've even found someone, how the heck do you actually know if they're right for you? You don't want to spend all that time with them only to figure out down the line that actually aren't right for you in the first place. Well, after his unfortunate divorce, Devon has been faced with this very problem and so many of us have. And he's had to learn how to reorient himself into the wild dating streets, as he calls it. And he's here to share all the joy, frustrations and powerful, powerful lessons that he's actually learning on this journey. Now, ladies, 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 this is about empowering ourselves, never compromising our beliefs and learning to recognize the healthy and authentic relationships that we know we actually want and freaking deserve. Devon has so many new freaking relationship insights to share. So if you're ready to embark on that new dating journey, then this is a sure don't want to miss episode. Let's freaking go. So right now you are single and you say yeah. you're on the dating streets, if you will. <laughs> and you said in order to be Hilarious. a great data, yeah. you need to be a great evaluator. Yes. So how do we start to evaluate the person that we're dating to actually know if they're right for us or not? Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, being back on the dating streets, you know, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's it's still a moment. I'm still in the, I, I never saw this moment of my life. Right. Like nobody, you know, goes into marriage planning for a divorce. So, you know, coming out of, you know, my divorce, having to reorient my life, rebuild my life, rewrite my life. You know, part of that is, you know, dating. Right. But for me, what I had to learn first before evaluating someone, I had to spend more time evaluating me. And so that's that's part of it. So often we are looking at evaluating others and do they belong or not? And that's important and definitely I'll get to that. But the first evaluation has to be of self, of me. You know, what are the areas that I really need to heal? What is the mirror of life reflecting to me about what's going on internally? You know, what are the areas where I feel like, you know what, I could grow a little bit more? What did my last relationship teach me about my tendency to be in cycles with people that bring the worst out of me instead of the best? So it's the evaluation first of me. Because when I don't evaluate myself or when someone doesn't evaluate who they are, it really inhibits their ability to then evaluate someone else. Because if I'm not evaluating me, then I'm going to be a poor evaluator of you. Because if I can't look at myself in the mirror, then I'm definitely not going to look at you in the mirror. I'm going to look at what I want to see. And if I see certain things that don't align with how I want you to be, either I'm just going to have cognitive dissonance, tune those things out. Oh, that's not a red flag. That's a white flag. Like, because I'm not good at evaluating me. So that is where it starts. And that's where I've had to learn like, okay, Devon, you got to retrace your steps. How did you get here? You know, what, what do you need to know about you? Focus there first. And then as you're doing that, that's going to create a better lens to evaluate who belongs in my life and who doesn't. And that part of that evaluation process is identifying what my core beliefs are. And I think a lot of times, you know, we have this belief that, you know, love is enough. And I don't believe that it is. It's not. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not pessimistic about love. I got it written on my arm. Okay. Love wins. Oh my God, you do. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm, full, I'm, I'm all in on love. I, I'm not cynical about it at all. I just know that at the end of the day, you know, love is not enough to overcome differences in core beliefs. And, and that's an area of evaluation, which is critical. And, you know, I see so many people miss it because they say, well, I love this person or we have great chemistry and all that's wonderful. And at the end of the day, a relationship can be whatever two people want it to be. Uh, so there's not like one blanket statement, but in terms of best practices in this area, what I've learned is like, wait a minute, if there are differences in core beliefs, then fundamentally there may be major differences in the relationship that may prevent it from working. So evaluating first, well, what are my core beliefs? What do, what do I really want out of life? What is you know inconsequential and what's consequential for me? What's important and what's not important? As I know that, then I'm gonna be able to better evaluate like, oh, 
this person actually is in alignment with my core beliefs. Cool. There's some things that we have disagreements on, but it's not my, it's not the core of what I really need to have in a person based upon who I am. So that evaluation starts there. It starts identifying what are my core beliefs and then not compromising those. Because when you start spending time with someone, this is someone, this is something I would also say, okay? Like as soon as you can identify someone's core beliefs, identify it. And if they are not in alignment, I would, or I would challenge anyone, stop it right then. Because what happens is you start to like somebody, you get involved, you get invested, you get emotionally attached. And the same difference in core beliefs was there day one as day 100. And if maybe certain questions would have been asked earlier, you would have said, oh, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you're cute, but I'm not going to do that, <laughs> you know? And so in my dating experience, I've had to, you know, bump my head, right? Because as like, you know, coming out of a divorce, like coming out of war, you know, not because it was contentious. It just means that it, you exert so much emotional energy and mental energy. And so coming out of it, you know, I wasn't a great evaluator, you know, not that I was dating um, women that weren't great women in their own right. They just may not have been right for me. Um, but I wasn't a great evaluator because I wasn't evaluating myself. And so as I became, began to do more work on me, I began to realize like, oh, wow, right. I can't just spend time with just anybody. I can't just give my time to someone just because they're attractive. You know, I need to do a little bit better job of evaluating, is there a core belief connection? And if there is, continue to get to know the person. And if there isn't, say, hey, you know what? You're, you're attractive, but you're probably for someone else. You know, when it comes to evaluating those core beliefs, I fundamentally look at, looked at it like this. What are the things that I believe that are not subject to modification? Okay, give me them. Okay, so faith, you know, I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. you know, believe in God, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ is my Savior, my Lord and Savior. Uh, and I also, you know, preach, you know, and I minister. So that's a big part of my life, you know, that's critical. So if somebody doesn't share that belief, that may be very difficult for that to work because at the end of the day, what I've noticed is that if you don't have alignment in your spirituality, your spirituality becomes your lifestyle. And if there's a difference in lifestyle, then it's going to be really hard for two to become one because we can't become one necessarily because there's a difference in how we want to live life and how we believe life. And now and again, two people can try to figure it out. But from what my observations have been, if there's a disconnect in the spirituality, there usually tends to be a disconnect in the relationship. So faith is one of them. You know, the other thing for me is, uh, you know, I was raised in a, in a family where my father was an alcoholic. You know, my father died when I was nine years old of a heart attack when he was 36. So sobriety is one of my core values, period. End of story, like it just is. And I know we live in a, you know, a culture where uh, in some in some areas, you could probably say not being sober is probably celebrated mm -hmm. in some level, you know, just in terms of what's in the culture. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, take this, drink that, smoke that, eat this, all of these things that kind of take us out of our reality. And I don't judge anyone, uh, you know, based upon whatever their consumption is. But when you're talking about compatibility for me, you know, those are things that I, I don't value, that I don't want someone to value. Like I wouldn't share my life with someone who doesn't value sobriety. Like that's a core belief given what I've been through. And again, not projecting on anyone, but like fundamental. Uh, the other part for me, which is a core belief is, and this seems like a crazy one to me, but it's true. You know, it's like, uh, there used to be this saying that uh, happy wife, happy life. Oh God, that drives right? me nuts. It's crazy, crazy. No. If you want a happy life, marry a happy wife. Meaning, is that person themselves already content? Is that person themselves already happy? You know, are they already optimistic? Do they have a, a positive mindset? That mindset is essential. And mindset for me, you know, is one of my core beliefs, like keeping my mind, you know, clear, focused, positive, optimistic. This is essential versus someone who may have a, a, a belief that, well, you know, life isn't good or things always happen to me. That That's your belief. But for me, I want someone who really has a positive disposition and we can connect on that because at the end of the day, it's our mindset that ultimately can control or disrupt or contribute to compatibility. So those are three areas for me that I look at. I love that. How did you actually then come up with this? And so if someone's listening right now, you have such clarity, yeah. which I love. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't have that much clarity, though, in what their core belief is. When you then became single and started doing this work, how did you come to that clarity? Um, you know through bumping my head a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, I think the first part of it 
and this again may sound crazy. It's like, you know, I'm the middle child of three boys. And so, you know, uh, in, in the way that I came up in life, you know, growing up, I mean, I, I had a lot of, um, what's the word? I was very stubborn, very headstrong, but I would say I was also, you know, insecure. And so I found my security through achievement. And, you know, being on the honor roll, playing sports, being in the, being in the student plays, um, you know, getting straight A's, like the more achievement I, I got, the more comfortable I felt. And so now that seems fine on the surface, but the problem is I didn't have that security within me. So I needed something external to support, supplement, and subsidize what is actually internal, which is esteem. So as I got older, you know, I applied that to my professional life and achieving and doing this and getting this and having that and becoming, you know, the persona that people who know me know of me, right? Like I put a lot of energy into that, but at the expense of putting that into myself and believing that about myself, that I am great, that I am worthy, that I am enough, independent of anything that I do or achieve. So I didn't have that. So coming out of the marriage, I had to really look at the gap that was existing, right, in, in my spirit, in my soul, that like, oh, the achievement could not fill. So it first started with me saying, I'm actually worthy enough and valuable enough to do the things that I need to do to bridge the gap internally. So often we don't do, the, do those things or we don't like evaluate well because we don't feel worthy ourselves. Mm. Well, who am I to say I have these standards? Who am I to tell someone that if, I, if they don't meet certain requirements, it's not gonna work? Who am I? No, I don't wanna, I don't. And then what happens is we compromise and we end up with people that times don't work when we could have just said, I'm worthy enough to make great choices for my life. I'm worthy enough to know who I am. I'm worthy enough to know what I want. And, I'm, and I feel good about myself enough that I'm gonna advocate for myself. Instead of worrying about, am I gonna upset someone? No, I'm gonna be respectful, but I gotta let you know that this is who I am, these are the things that work for me. And if they don't work for you, that's okay. But it starts with a sense of self-worth. I mean, that's really what, what came, uh, birthed this, this message that I've come, you know, been preaching and talking about lately, being one of one, you know? And this idea that no matter, you know, our relationship status, that we're, we're all single, right? We're all individuals, we're all one of one. And so often we look at like, oh, getting in a relationship will improve my happiness, my health, my wellness, and that's a myth. Because if I am not happy now, I won't be happy in a relationship. And so often the culture is like, get into a relationship, get into a relationship, you know, get married. What about getting into a relationship with yourself? What about learning to love yourself? What about looking in the mirror and loving who looks back at you? What about looking in the mirror and saying, I'm worthy, I'm valuable, I'm valued. Whether I'm with someone or not, I am valued just because of who I am. And, and who I was created to be. So for me, it first started there. Mm -hmm. It's an inside job. I had to rebuild my esteem. I had to rebuild my self-esteem. I had to really say, Devon, you are worthy of the best. You are worthy uh, to have your beliefs, to share your beliefs with someone who shares you know, your beliefs. You are worthy to be able to have standards that you don't compromise on. That's okay. That's all right. And so I had to do that work first. I had to first know that I was worthy and then I had to evaluate, okay, what are the deal breakers for me? And then once I knew those deal breakers, then I began to you know, incorporate how I evaluated people as I was evaluating myself. And so with someone who is trying to figure out you know, how do I evaluate, you first gotta make sure that you are worthy and that you know that and that you don't make any bones about it. This is, this is who I am. Yeah, I'm one of one, I'm, I'm unique. There's nobody else on the earth like me. So yeah, I have certain things that I need my life to be. And if somebody doesn't wanna share my life with me because of those things, God bless them, pray for them as they go. But don't compromise on what's core for you. Did you just then repeat that? Because there's that moment where you don't necessarily feel worthy, because I hear the message, it's so strong, but there's that gap, as you said, between saying that you're worthy and then actually feeling worthy. Yeah. So how did you fill that gap in order to then do the work? Uh, well, therapy, you know, uh, um, you know, consistently in therapy, life coaching, uh, reading, journaling, praying, meditation, uh, you know, watching sermons, you know, watching different talks, 
like doing the work on me. That's how I bridge the gap and still bridging the gap. It's a, it's a, you know, perpetual bridging, right? Because there are some days I wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on and who am I? And, you know, and I don't feel the way I want to feel. And so I was like, okay, my mindset's not right. I got to get my mind right. I got to get back into a remembrance of who I am and what I'm about, what's possible for me. And so that that's the work that I have done and continue to do to be able to bridge that gap. And that was, uh, you know, the intensity of the work certainly, you know, I think is what allow, has allowed me to get clear because, you know, you can get really clear in life relative to the pain you've been through. You know, pain brings a lot of clarity if we choose to accept it. A lot of times when we go through pain, especially emotional pain, I know that, you know, the pain that I went through, you know, I, 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 I was very clear, you know, like, oh, you got to get really clear about how you want to live life, Javon, in the direction you want to go in. Now, I had to choose accepting that clarity. I could have easily said, well, you know, how did this happen? And just, you know, continue to pour over how it, why it didn't work and all that. But it's like, or blame the other person. Or blame the other person, right? And it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to own my side of the street. I'm going to evaluate me. What do I need to learn from this so that I can apply the clarity that the pain has produced and be able to make, you know, decisions that work for me going forward? Wow. Okay. So you've, it's so profound. So you've now feeling worthy to yeah. then do the work. Yep. Then you identify all the things that you've said. These are the things that are basically my non non negotiables sure. that are super important to me. Then how do you um, start to use that? Remember it as you start to go on the dating field because there's the doing the work, and I've just seen a lot of people do this, and I have myself before I met my husband, where it's like I do the work, and then I find another guy. And then the work starts to unravel again. <laughs> right, right. Well, in my experience, um, you know, one of the ways for the work to not unravel is to not attach anyone else's benefit to the work. Mm. Like, so a lot of times, especially in this world of dating, in this world of relationships, this world of self-help, a lot of it, the undertone is if you do these things, then you will get this person. And so I think that's a slippery slope because then my intent is not for the betterment of self. It's to manipulate myself enough to get somebody to come into my life. It's to change me enough so I can be, you know, uh, acceptable to someone else. And I think that then because I, because there's not as much integrity as there could be in that mentality. So if I'm doing the work because I want to get somebody, okay, when I get somebody, I'm going to become who they want me to be because I didn't choose who I wanted to be to begin with. So to me, so much of that work has to be anchored in who I wanna be or who you wanna be or whomever the individual wants to be. This is who you wanna be. It's not about whoever comes to choose you because of that. It has nothing to do with anyone else. That's when I say, hey, you're, you're one of one. This is about you. This is about who you are, what type of life you want, the love that you wanna have in yourself first. How am I out here looking for love and I'm not looking for myself? <laughs> that doesn't, it doesn't work. So that to me is, is one way to mitigate, you know, finding, you know, someone kind of becoming who someone wants them to be by really having a sense of this is who I am because I'm doing that work because this is who I want to be. I want to harness the best of me to live life moment to moment in a way that is content versus like, I'm not content. So I'm making these changes because I believe contentment is found in connection or commitment so I believe contentment is found in commitment. So as a result, I'm trying to become more content so I can get a commitment from somebody. But at the end of the day, it's about just being content for contentment's sake. Mm -hmm. Because if I can be content all by myself, within myself, it really doesn't even matter if I'm in a relationship. That's cool. I can share that with someone else, but I don't need that other person to, to be help me be content because I'm already doing that work. Yeah. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. 
But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Oh, that's so strong. And then I've also heard talking about the manipulation, how that really hit me when you said you're almost manipulating yourself. I've also heard you say that when you don't feel worthy and you're almost like trying to chase or trying to become someone that someone else wants, you then leave yourself open to their manipulation. That's right. Talk to me about that. Yeah, because see, so often, you know, when we're hungry, right? Think about this. So like when we're, when we're satisfied in terms of, you know, being uh, like, say we're full, right? We've gone somewhere, we're eating, we're great. Everything's cool. Like attitude's cool. Mindset's good. We can go shopping and buy what we need, not just everything that we see, but wait until we get hungry. And what happens when we get hungry? We don't think as clearly. We make irrational decisions. We buy stuff we don't need. We overeat. We overcompensate. Same thing happens in dating. When we are so hungry for love and we're so hungry for someone else and we just want a commitment and we just want to get married so badly, what happens? We tend to make irrational decisions. That, that hunger becomes an, an avenue to be exploited because someone else, even though they may not articulate it, they can say, oh, this person is hungry. So then what happens? That person that identifies that hunger is going they're going it's, they're going to manipulate you even if they don't want to mm-hmm. because in that dynamic you're coming into it oh, you're the one that's here to fill me well no no one else can fill us the only one that can fill us is ourselves and god that's it people can make contributions but fundamentally if i'm relying on someone else to satisfy my hunger that person is going to say well wait i i'm not capable to be your source i can't do that but what happens oh well you know what if you want to hang with me, fine. I'm, I'll, I'll call you back when I want to call you. I'll reach out when I want to reach out. And the person that's so hungry will say, okay, that's fine. Okay, well, you know, the person doesn't return a phone call for two weeks. Then they call, oh yeah, I'll go out with you. That's what I mean by being open to manipulation. Because that hunger is so strong that it's drowning out sound wisdom. It's drowning out rational thinking. It's drowning out self-worth. And I'm saying, hey, Don't allow your hunger to betray you. It's okay for us to say, you know, I would like companionship. That's very different than I need companionship. That need is like, I'm hungry for it. That, uh, you know, that want is more like, okay, yeah, I would love that at the right time. Because when we're full, we say, hey, I'm going to eat again. I'll eat when I'm ready. I'm not out here like, oh my goodness, I'm hungry. I'm just going to go eat some, you know, fast food or something I know I shouldn't eat, but I'm so hungry. I need to fill that. So no, I'm not that. I'm not in that place. So that's what I mean, you know, by us being open to manipulation when we are too hungry for love. 
I love that analogy so much. It was I was thinking about like a chocolate cake, yeah. right? Because it's like it tastes <laughs> lovely. It's like that 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 person may seem great, yeah. but if you're hungry, it's going to feel that momentary happiness. But the long term happiness, it actually is more detrimental to you. Absolutely, but then that but that goes back to what we've been talking about. So we go back to the first question about evaluation. So let's mm -hmm. use a chocolate cake, right? So if I'm hungry, and I don't have a strong sense of self, mm -hmm. I look at the cake and say, I know I could be healthier. I know I want to be fit. But what difference does it make? You know, that's kind of hard work. And the last time I worked out and tried to get on a diet, I, you know, it didn't work. And I'm just not, you know, I just have no discipline. And you know what? Like, I'm just going to eat this to make myself feel good. I know it's not good, but I want to feel good. So I'm usually going to turn to something bad to make me feel good when things are maybe a little upside down internally. So we eat that chocolate cake and it brings a momentary satisfaction. But what is it actually satisfying? It's satisfying the lower part of who we are, not the higher part. And so we bring people into our lives that are like chocolate cake. Like, oh man, in that moment it was great, and you know, the vibe was good, and the energy was good, and the attraction was good, and all that, but I know they're not right for me. But they satisfy my hunger in the moment. So I'll compromise myself and be with this person. But then what happens? the bill always comes due. So we eat the chocolate cake, and the moment we eat the chocolate cake, we don't see the ramifications of it. Right, right now we can go eat chocolate cake, look in the mirror, everything's great. <laughs> Give it a day or two. Ooh, my face, it's a little puffy, you know, my stomach, why? Because the bills always, always come due. So when we allow people into our life, you know, that are like that chocolate cake, they're good in the moment, but not good long-term. In the moment it feels good, but over time, we pay for it. And where do we pay for it the most? Emotionally, mentally, physically sometimes, right? Spiritually. That person that we know, oh, it's so good in the moment, but ah, they don't really share my values and they kind of you know, treat me less than I want to be treated. But when we have those moments, they're so good. Is it worth it? And this is why I go back to a point I made earlier. You know, Pain not only produces clarity, but it's also life's greatest teacher if we allow it to be. And so the pain of relationships and, and being mistreated or not you know, owning value, at a certain point, that pain gets so great that I would hope someone would look in the mirror and say, I gotta make some changes. You know, I love chocolate cake, but I can't keep allowing my diet to be run by my love for chocolate cake. You know, I've gotta have a diet that is healthier for me, not just for who I am now, but who I'm becoming. So how in those moments though, because there's three types of people, someone who then runs away, never eats the chocolate cake again, um, but goes to the extreme. So for instance, there's people that um, in my audience, especially like they've just been hurt so much in a relationship that they close the door to dating and relationships for good. Cause they're like, well, it's no good. It's never worked out for me. So I'm never dating again. All men are garbage. And to your point, it's like, well, don't starve yourself. No, no, no. There are healthy foods out there for you, right? Same with them. There are other lovely, amazing humans out there that you can find, but people sometimes swing hard and close the door. Um, or to your point where they just feel like, well, this is all that I've got. So it's better than having yeah, a chocolate cake right, than right, starving. Right. Um, so how have you been able to almost be that third point that's in the middle, that's looking for that nutrition of the heart, if you yeah, will, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and not swing in either direction? Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of things. Um, it comes down to accurate thinking. So, you know, when you say, oh my goodness, you know, I've been hurt by love so much, like I'm just not gonna date, you know, okay, that's one side. And then the other side is like, well, this is the best that I can get, right? I think both are fundamentally founded in inaccurate thinking. So when it comes to this idea of like, well, I've been hurt so much, I'm just gonna close myself off to love. I say, okay, well, let's, let's pause here. I believe, you know, there's a scripture that says that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so I have a fundamental belief that all things are working for our good. So recently I uh, had to do a eulogy for a man who was kind of like my grandfather. No, it's okay. You know, I mean, he suffered for a while, but, you know, definitely miss him. And so he had this, this statement. If you ever, you, whatever you asked him, hey, how are you doing? He would say, I'm living in the blessings. Didn't matter. He, you know, he suffered from multiple myeloma and, you know, neuropathy. And no matter how much pain he was in, if ever you would ask him, you know, how are you feeling? He would say, I'm living in the blessings. 
And so during his eulogy, you know, I talked about living in the blessings means, you know, living in God's goodness. You know, follow me, I'm going somewhere. I'm answering the first question, which is, you know, I can make a decision that everything happening for me is for my good, or I can live as if it's not. And when I live as if it's not, it actually works against me instead of living as if it is. And so there was a story that I found as I was preparing the eulogy, and it was about this, uh, this king who would go out hunting with his best friend. And so his best friend would always load the guns. And his best friend had a statement, this is good. He would always say, this is good, no matter what it was, this is good. So he loads the gun, he gives it to the king, and the king shoots, but the, the friend made a mistake. And so the king loses his thumb. So he loses his thumb and the king gets mad and he throws his friend in jail because the friend said, no, this is good. And the king's like, no, it's not good. I don't have a thumb, right? <laughs> so, he, so he throws him in jail. The king goes, he's hunting in a place where he's not supposed to hunt. Cannibals are there. They capture the king. They uh, tie him up and they're going to eat him. And right when they're getting ready to eat him, they look and they see that he doesn't have a thumb. And they had a superstition that they would only eat people that were whole. So they let him go. And he comes out and he's like, wait a minute. If I didn't have the thumb. Okay, so he goes to the, his friend in jail and he says, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Uh, you were right. I should have never put you in here. And, and the friend said, no, you putting me in here was great. And he's like, this is good. He said, what are you talking about? How was this good? He said, because if I was not here, I would have been with you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I would have been with you and, and I wouldn't be here me. now. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I wouldn't be here right now. So he said, this is good. Yeah. So I go back to the, the part of the question of the person with the closed heart and having gone through pain and having gone through heartache, you know, all things work for our good. Can you get to the place where you say, okay, not what I wanted, but this is good because here's what I learned from it. I learned this about myself. I learned that here are areas that I can improve. And then I apply what I've learned to who I am now to then become a better evaluator. The worst thing we can do is to allow the pain we've been through to close us off. We are love, God is love. We are made in his image. So we are truly the image of, of love. And, and even though we all go through heartbreaks, we all go through heartaches, take the time needed to heal and to process that, but please don't close to love because love is all we got. All this, this beautiful set, this all goes away, but love is eternal. And so I would encourage someone to say, you know what, this is good, it's working for my good, and I'm gonna remain open to what love and life has to bring me. For the person that is feeling like, well, wait a minute, this is all I can get, it goes back to, to that self-worth. It goes back to that self-esteem, right? If I do not believe the best about myself, I won't choose the best for myself, period. And so this idea of scarcity, how, anybody looking look in, in the sky lately? Is there a scarcity of, of stars? No, we, we, we live in a world where, I mean, the impossible happens every day. We're in a planet that's spinning in the middle of the space. Like, and you're telling me this, this scarcity, is there a scarcity of air? No, no, there's not. So it goes back to inaccurate thinking. If I believe there's a scarcity of, 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 of people available to me, then I'm gonna choose less than what, what I'm capable of. And that is part of, I think, where the culture sometimes win when it comes to dating, specifically as it relates to men and women. As men, we're taught there's tons of options. As women, there's, there's a, a, taught that, a thought that's, well, you have to be careful, there's not as many, that's not a lot of good men out there. Well, the moment someone buys into that, no matter how many bad men they've dated, no matter how, if they buy into there's not a lot of good men, then they're gonna compromise and they're gonna date somebody who's not a good person, who may not be good for them, but they believe this is all I'm gonna get. And I say, no, 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 no. Live in the belief that the best is available to you. All you have to do is wait for it, period. The best, the best person, the best life, the best job, it's, it is all there. And the only, the only obstacle to it is my impatience, or my insecurity, or my lack of self-worth, or my inaccurate thinking. Oh, wow, that's so good. <laughs> um, and going to the point about waiting for then something to come, um, I've heard you say, like, people go looking, and instead of looking, we need to be receiving. Yeah. A lot of times it's like, oh, you know, uh, are you looking for love? Yes, I'm looking for love. So when I look for something, I acknowledge the absence of it. So I'm actually not living in the energy that I've received it. I'm living in the energy that I don't have it. So when I'm looking, right, I believe that when we're looking for something, it, we sometimes then are open to the manipulation of someone that takes advantage of us looking. 
When I say, uh, talk about love, I say, don't go look for love, but be ready to receive it. Ready to allow it to come into your life. Ready to allow it to come into your heart. Because the position of receiving is much stronger than I'm looking. I'm looking, okay? Because that implies, well, are you, know, are you desperate? Are you insecure about it? Versus like, no, I'm confident and I'm ready to receive love. And I am believing the same way that, you know, you look at radio or a radio antenna or Wi-Fi, like it's receiving a signal. It don't have to go looking for, you know, the satellite don't go look for itself. It's like, no, I'm ready to receive the signal. The same way we do that, you know, with the phone. It's like, oh, I'm looking for something. No, you don't. Just turn on your phone. It will identify the signal in the environment and will receive it. That's what I mean. Instead of looking for love, be ready to receive it. I love that. And it puts you in a position of strength instead of like a lot of women specifically don't want to speak for men um i just speak for myself yeah i um when when you're giving yourself over it really is like you're giving your power away as well and i think that that can when you're looking and you're trying in that almost like that feel of franticness like sure. almost like you know is is he the one right that that idea of the pressure right. of is he the one or i found the one yeah then it makes you believe a that there's no it, to, you said it earlier, the scarcity mindset, yeah. right? Now makes you believe that, oh my God, I have to make this one work. Yeah. Um, and then it actually also allow, uh, not forces you, but entices you to give your power over to them. And I think that that's where the manipulation piece can come in. Absolutely. Um, but there's this fine line between like the idea of somebody and then the fantasy of somebody. <laughs> and I've actually got a quote of yours that you said. Yes. Acknowledge reality instead of trying to create a fantasy based upon the delusion that someone is showing you. <laughs> yes. Well, here's what I mean by that. So a lot of times when we're dating, you know, or evaluating, we're, we're doing it because we have an image in our head of we, what we think we want, need, or what we want someone to be like. And we think of like, okay, here's the ideal partner, right? So we have that image. So as a result, that image, it's great, but it also works against us in my experience and in my opinion. So when you meet somebody, you know, let's say there's a disconnect in core beliefs, but there's a lot of other things that work well. That image of what we want or who we want them to be, the fantasy becomes what we focus on. And we're focusing on trying to get this person to meet the fantasy we've created instead of acknowledging the reality that they're showing you that there's, it's not a fit, it's not a match. The things that you want, the things that you need and the image that you have is not that, it's not them. And so as a result, that fantasy and wanting someone to become something or be something creates a delusion within us because we're looking at someone instead of appreciating who they are for the person they are, we're trying to turn them into the person we want them to be based upon our image and our fantasy. And that's what makes us delusional. So I'm saying when you're dating, being delusional is a liability. Reserve the ability to see someone clearly. And that may mean putting your fantasy to the side. And now what I mean by that is I can have core beliefs about what worked for me, but be completely open to what love needs to look like. Instead of saying, you know, she's got to come in this package and she's got to be this and she's got to look like this and she's got to be that and all this kind of stuff. No, here are my core beliefs. I want someone who's going to share those beliefs and let me be open to receive however that comes into my life versus this idea of like, she needs to look like this. She needs to talk like that. She needs to wear this. She needs to be from this kind of family. All of these things. So then I meet somebody and I'm trying to make them into my fantasy instead of just appreciating who they are. And I see so much that happening so often in relationships. And that's also where, you know, I believe that uh, people mistake commitment for control. Ooh, tell me more. Just because you're committed to someone doesn't mean you control them. And so often it's like, oh, well, now that we're committed, I can tell you what to wear, what to, what, what to say, where to go, who to hang out with, who not to hang out with, what time to be home, all of these things, because that goes back to the fantasy, right? Like, oh, when I was coming up, this was my idea of what a good marriage is. So I want you to become that versus saying, well, wait, we're committed, but I don't control you. You don't control me. Why don't we together, looking at reality, identify what works best? instead of holding each other hostage to a fantasy that will never become. A lot of us, um, we abandon ourselves 
once we find somebody that maybe becomes the person that we think we want in life. Yeah. So A, how do we make sure that we don't abandon ourselves? Yeah. Um, and then B, how do we know when we've met somebody, whether it's the fantasy kicking in or it's the reality that you see? So as we were talking about the fantasy sure. and the reality, it reminded me of the story that you told where a woman reached out to you and she seems so lovely. <laughs> keep, and... going. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where this story is going, Devon. Oh, we'll see, Lisa. Okay, keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> so you're like, she's so lovely. We're talking. We're having fun. And then I'll let you take the story away. Oh, man. Listen, dating is not for the faint of heart, okay? All right? It just isn't, especially in this day and age. So the Cliff Notes version was, you know, we had we had met, you know, uh, online, you know, uh, through, uh, I think it was Instagram at the time. And then she was like, hey, you know, I'm on Snapchat. I was like, cool. You know, I didn't even, I had a Snapchat account, but I never knew Snapchat. So, you know, I went on Snapchat. We were, you know, chatting back and forth, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you'd already done the core beliefs. I'd already work. done the core beliefs, but but I wasn't as strong in it as I was now. But at that time, I was hungry. I was hungry. I was hungry for companionship. I was hungry, you know, I just came out of a, almost a 10 year, you know, relationship, 10 year marriage. So being alone, being by myself, like that, I, these, these are things I never even thought I was gonna have to deal with anymore. So that hunger, open me to manipulation. So, you know, she would be like, okay, you know, I would like, hey, let's FaceTime. She's like, okay, great. Now, mind you, we probably talked, you know, just on the phone, you know, text probably for, I don't know, a month or so. And then I was like, wait, no, we need to see each other. Okay, great. Let's FaceTime. Okay, so she, she said, yeah, let's do it tomorrow. Cool. I call her the next day, ghosted me for days. And I'm like, uh, what's, I don't understand what's going on. And I'm worried and wondering. So then, so then a couple days later, she reappears and had an excuse. And I said, oh, okay. And here I am, hungry, just going right back into it. Okay, no problem. We talk again for days, days. And then I say, hey, we need to FaceTime. I, I, I don't know who you are. Like, we've, I need to just at least see your face. Yeah, no problem. We'll do it. I call her the next day. Ghosted me for over a week. Oh, I'm sorry. I had problems with my phone, da, da, da. And I pick back up. I keep talking because I'm hungry, okay? Again, like anything I talk about, I'm not saying it because it sounds good. I'm telling you what I've been through, right? I'm telling you the mistakes that I've made because I was so hungry and I didn't have a, a strong enough sense of self-worth to be an evaluator, right? This is the person I am now, the moment someone doesn't want to be seen, we're done. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't have time for this. Like, no, whatever you're hiding, that's on you. But when I was hungry, when I wasn't really you know, completely confident in my self-belief that I was open to manipulation and open to dealing with something that is was absolutely crazy. So long story short, you know, we started talking again after, you know, she ghosted me for whatever that was for a week or so. And we keep talking. She's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna, you know, come out. Uh, I gotta come out to LA for my job. Cool, you know, would love to see you. Cool, made plans, talked to her the whole time. Never happened. Okay, so my point through this whole story. Like her grandfather died, she said, or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, grandfather died. You know, her grandfather died. And, you know, and that, oh, that's why I can't see you. And I'm like, and then I'm like, okay. You know, and then so she, you know, leaves. And then she comes back. And we're supposed to hang again. And then she ghosts me again. And, and then I still talk to her after that. Like, like it's, it's just, but finally, I had to get to the place where I was like, listen, until you're ready to be seen, I can't stop done, done, you know, unfollowed her, deleted, blocked, did the whole thing. But the reason why I ultimately had to do that was not even have anything to do with her, but for me. It's like, Devon, who are you? Why are you enduring this? Why are you putting up with this? What is the reward that this is bringing you? And I had to realize like, oh, got it. There's some things in my belief system that I need to look at. I don't feel worthy at that time. You know, I don't feel fully, you know, confident. So I'm, I'm, I'm settling for a situation that is crazy with someone that I actually don't know that I think I do because the fantasy. I'm like, oh, I found someone and the connection's great and the conversation's great and this could be, oh, this could be the one. This could... See how it, it's all interconnected and it all went back to the value system. So as I came out of that, and again, this is good. Okay, the situation is good for me. What did it teach me? Oh, 
I was too hungry. I wanted it too badly. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't have enough you know, self-esteem and self-confidence at that moment to say, hey, if you don't want to be seen, we're done, right? Hey, and that's your choice. It's your life. You don't have to be seen if you don't want to be seen. Fine with me, but I'm not going to be a part of it. Those were the things that then I could take away and then apply, you know, as I move forward. And I have applied those things and it's definitely enriched my life. That's amazing. Has it um, uh, reduced how keen you show that person that you're dating? Because going back to something we were talking about before, I think um, these sorts of things can chip away at you. And so as they start to chip away at you, it starts to then go, well, maybe I shouldn't be so keen or show how keen I am because the last time I did, I lost myself and I abandoned myself. Have you um, changed at all in that area or you're um, trying to stay strong in, no, show you the real you, Yeah. just try not to abandon yourself on that journey? Sure, sure. I am not going to allow anyone to get me out of being who I am. Like, I'm not going, when I talk about abandon myself or, you know, I, I, what, for me, that's like, no, I am a, you know, I'm a giving person. I'm a loving person. I'm a, you know, open person. And I'm not going to allow anyone or anything I've been through to get me out of, to abandon me, which is those things. That's who I am, right? So I'm not going to get me out of being me. I'm going to continue to be me. Now, I will apply wisdom, which means not everyone up top is worthy of the full me. Right, so I'm still gonna be loving, I'm still gonna be open, but I'm gonna pace myself. Think about it, if you're, you know, if you're doing a mile run and you start sprinting out of the gate, it's go, you might be cool for a lap, <laughs> but on that second, third lap, you're gonna be gasping for air. Why, because you didn't pace yourself. So it's not about, you know, not being who I am, but giving it time. So now I say, okay, you know, great, this is great. I'm having a good time, let me give it time. You know, I, when we talk, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be who I am, but that doesn't mean we're gonna talk every day. That doesn't mean every night before you go to bed, I'm gonna text you or you text in the morning when we're talking about the early stages, you know, before things have developed. So part of it was not getting out of being me, not abandoning me, but pacing myself, using wisdom, maybe laying a foundation earlier where I can better evaluate instead of moving so quickly, so fast, that then once I'm in, I look up and say, wait a minute, how did I get in this thing? And then this person is not aligned with my core values and this person doesn't want to be seen. You know, like it comes back to like saying, hey, you know what? I'm still going to be me, but I'm going to use wisdom. Because also here's the other part. When you're building a foundation, you know, we're in this beautiful studio, great foundation. You know, I was at, a, I went and uh, made a movie um, uh, in China actually. And there was, uh, I will never forget, there was a building that they put up, like a huge skyscraper. Uh, it was in Beijing, right outside of Beijing. And I, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but it was like, it may have been like a month, something just like the fastest you ever heard. But, and so the reason why that story was told is because when we were there, the building was condemned and it was tilting over. And they spent all this money they did it fast, but the foundation wasn't right. And I was like, wow, that's profound. And so when, you, when it comes to dating, it comes to relationship, it's like, no, I'm not gonna let my heartbreak or heartache get me out of being who I wanna be and who I am, but I will use wisdom next time around. You know, I will take what I'm learning to, you know, maybe pace the situation more, not rush, take a little more time, evaluate, and also, get a chance to see if somebody really is, is worthy of me showing the fullness of who I am. Because so often we're just giving that fullness to people that they're not even, it's like we're wasting our time and energy and they're not even worthy of it. You know, like let someone earn getting to know you. Let them earn that the same way you're earning to get to know them. Yeah, like, you know what, you're a person I want to get to know and I'm going to commit to that, to see who you are. And as I get a chance to evaluate, great, this is wonderful. Or you know what? I love who you are. You're just not for me. And that's okay too. I heard you say um, something like, uh, whatever bait uh, <laughs> equals the, the mate. Yeah, the bait determines the mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So have you noticed that even like your bait um, really is like, no, I'm worthy. And so I'm looking for someone that also feels worthy so that you're attracting them. And if you don't mind actually explaining that phrase as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea I was talking about social media. 
And I was just saying that, uh, you know, the bait that we put out on, you know, social media specifically, mm -hmm. the bait determines the mate. So a lot of times, whatever bait we're putting in terms of the posts that we're making will determine who's DMing us, who's reaching out, the type of person that reaches out. So I was saying, if you want a different mate, maybe you have to use different bait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, maybe you gotta post different things that really may represent more of who you are versus, hey, I'm gonna post this because it's clickbait, but then it's clickbait, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that for me was, was you know, learning to navigate, you know, all of that, which was, you know, not, not easy. You know what I mean? And so for me, you know, the bait that I put out there you know, is the bait of, of what I aspire to be, inspire to be, which is, you know, worthiness and love and, you know, charisma and happiness and joy. However, here's what's very interesting about the bait, so to speak. We don't even realize the subconscious bait that we are putting out there. So as certain mates come in, based upon who they are and what they are, that gives us a good evaluator of like, oh, wait a minute. I say I am this, but I have attracted this. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm not really this. Because in my experience, you are what you attract and you attract what you are. So when it comes to the bait, I've learned like, oh, wait a minute. You know, there are some mates coming in where there's some disconnects. Maybe there's a disconnect in me. Maybe I'm actually putting out something that I wasn't even aware of. Okay, so as that happens, I say, wait a minute, I gotta do more work on me. What are the subconscious beliefs that are working against me? What are the things in my spirit that still have to be uprooted, that are still attracting you know, a certain type of mate that may not be the best fit for me? That is the work that I have to do. So the bait is not always a conscious bait, it also can be a subconscious bait. I've never thought about it being a subconscious bait. Um, because again, I think in those moments where if you're attracting somebody, it's easier to say, well, it's them. Oh my goodness, it's the easiest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But that's when we have to resist the temptation to do that. This is where I go back to being one of one. Okay, I'm one of one. So I have to make the best decisions for myself. I have to make the decisions that are gonna set me up for the life that I want. And part of that decision-making process is resisting the temptation to point the finger. So often, it's so easy to say, well, that person's the problem. Are they? Or is it there are certain things in you that if they were with someone different, the problem you say that they have, that other person would say, that's not a problem for me at all. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's like, oh, well, it's okay to say, you know what? That actually doesn't work for me because that doesn't create the harmony or the consistency that I want. So it's really more about me versus like, you're the problem. And if you don't change it, it's like, okay, hey, listen, you don't have to change. But here are the things that I know I can adjust and here's the things I can't. So what I'm always going to do is when something comes up, before I point the finger, I'm going to look at me. What's my role in this? What's my part in this? What do I need to learn? What can I take from this? Why is this happening? What's it revealing about me? There's a lot of things I believe to look at before going to someone and say, you are the problem. 